welcome to my favorite podcast with Noah Marger. enough of that we're not doing that anymore <laughs> we're done we're not doing that stupid bullshit anymore okay we did it for one second and now we're not doing it again i hope you guys liked that intro because it's never gonna happen again all right uh that was uh, never tears apart by in excess the 80s band i heard that when i was walking around the store the other day with my mask on so that was kind of cool. That was very cool. <laughs> very cool for you guys hearing that. And my guest actually got to hear that as well because I shared the audio with her. So uh, she loved that. And I know she's going to love it when she actually gets introduced and she can speak freely on the show. <laughs> I know she's going to talk about how much she actually loved that moment and how it didn't really piss her off or make her scared. So. <laughs> Uh, welcome back to my favorite podcast. This is the podcast about people's favorite things. As always, I'm the host of this stupid show, Noah Marger. I hope you're having a good week, everyone. Uh, I'm having an all right week. Things feel like they're starting to turn around a little bit as far as this national pandemic is concerned. It's nice to see that people are actually getting their dang shots. Uh, yeah, I just, I cannot stress that enough. I hope you get your shot because, uh, if you don't, then you're going to get it, and you're going to regret that big time, or uh, you're going to die. So either way, you're going to regret it big time. So very cool. Uh, that's, not, uh, that's not my opinion. That is science. So that is not an opinion. <laughs> that just is how it works. Um, and if you're one of those geniuses walking around saying, I'm going to spit in other people's mouths, as my guests <laughs> and I talked about prior on the show, write that down. Make sure that you seal that under lock and key so that nobody else says that either online or in person otherwise. So very cool. Very awesome. And we have a great guest today, everyone. I'm very excited to have this person on the show. Finally, after all these weeks, almost a year of doing this show, she's finally here. And I'm going to introduce her. My guest today is a writer, actor, and producer who you may know from the series Get the Fuck Out and Psychonauts. You may also recognize her as Soldier Number 2 from Chapman University's production of Othello. Uh, this person... When I first moved to L.A., was extremely nice and always threw me work whenever she had the opportunity. 
Uh, and it, she's just one of the nicest people that I know. And so I'm so happy to have her on the show today. Please welcome Maddie Ogden. Hi, Maddie. Hi, Noah. Thank you so much for the glowing intro. You guys can't see me, but I am bright red because my face you, does that. You are you are you are beaming. You're beat red. You need to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun Doing stuff. okay otherwise though, besides absolutely looking like a little tomato on the Zoom call. Listen, I've never been more proud to be a tomato, Noah, but thank you so much for checking in. Um, I also did want to add on to the intro and say that it means so much to me that you say I'm one of the nicest people, but I also just wanted to say I am more honest than I am nice, and I just happen to have a lot of nice things to say about you. So. Damn. Okay. Well, that uh, you're kind of proving my point, actually, because that was a very nice thing to say just now. So maybe that's what we all need to take away from this is that two things can be true at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Two, even two contradictory ideas can be true at the same time, believe Absolutely. it or not. Absolutely. And that is one of those things that you just learn growing up. And that's one of those hard pills to swallow is mm -hmm. that sometimes two contradictory ideas can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to get on my boomer lectern real quick and say that you Gen Z numbskulls out there need to <laughs> start realizing that a little bit and start being nicer to people who are millennial Gen Z cups, maybe <laughs> like the host of this damn podcast. Just, so Just like don't be a dick. You know? Yeah, just like don't be a fucking piece of shit for goddamn sake i'm on tiktok all day looking at these goddamn zoomers they're being pieces of shit what are they doing you know ah. yeah <laughs> that's right that's right me my not quite millennial not quite gen z brain i literally am a cusp and that's something i talk about on my other podcasts a lot are you 96 or 97 when were you i'm 97 you're not okay. I'm also 97, so mm -hmm. I think that makes us both cuspers in that sense. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. So at first, I thought it was just because um, I'm just kind of naturally like an old lady at heart, but sure. I find it hard to like. I feel like I fully have a foot in either like the millennial or Gen Z like culture pots. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like I'm kind of like shifting between the two a lot. I was That's, curious if you also felt that way. I, I, you know what? I almost feel like I don't fit in either, and that's yeah. more. I think it's. I think it's more that I. I don't even feel like I'm in the millennial culture pot or the Gen Z pot. I just feel like I don't belong. I feel like I'm in no man's land in that regard. Right, so. right, right. No, totally. Same here. I guess we're just uh, not like the other girls. Yeah, we are. We were born in the wrong generation. Not yeah. like other girls wearing Converse to the prom, spitting mm -hmm. in other people's mouths. You know, all the fun <laughs> stuff that all the fun stuff that we get to do as cusps. Wow, we sound like a catch. <laughs> you and I just going around spitting in people's mouths, being like, "We're actually very different from you. We're actually, <laughs> we're actually very superior genetically and otherwise." So, just like, listen, but do you know their first album? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right, uh, Maddie. Something else that's sort of fun about us that I was mm -hmm. thinking about in prep for this episode: you and I grew up fifteen to twenty minutes away from each we other. We did. We did. Prior to college. Then we went to the same college. Yes. So we lived like l 20 or less minutes away from each other. You know, any we we're 20 or minute, minutes or less from each other at any given point. Then prior to the pandemic, we both moved to the same part of L.A. What the we fuck? Did, the fucking valley. Yes. Not only the, just the valley. We both moved to North Hollywood. North I don't mean Hollywood. To, I don't mean to dox you if you still live in North Hollywood. No, but. I moved away. It's terrible. Okay. Wait, so do you like where you're at? Oh, you mean North Hollywood's terrible? Yes. Yeah, really bad. Mm -hmm. Really, really bad. 
did you live above the train station or below the train station in North Hollywood? Oh, I'm not going to lie. One of the things I'm the least proud of about myself is that I have absolutely no sense of direction. I never know where I'm going. Even the Trader Joe's that's 10 minutes from my house. Like I could not tell you if you could turn left or right or I just don't know. Um, I'm going to say below, but that is a genuine whim. I will say, though, I lived um, right underneath the Burbank airport. So I had an actual alarm clock every day and night, which I really didn't need one for night, but, uh, you know, kept me on my toes. <laughs> an alarm clock for night. Now, why hasn't anyone done one of those yet? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. It's but a um, TikTok trend. That's a, Yeah, one of those fucking Zoomer things that we'll never be able to understand yeah. is a little TikTok trend. Um, well, I also lived right below the Burbank airport. That was one of the fun parts of living in North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And not only could I hear planes all the time, but my roommate and I, we lived on, I'm not even going to say the first floor because there was like basically just two floors. So we lived on the bottom floor uh, of this development. And the building was old, so old to the point where if our upstairs neighbors were taking a shower, I could hear the water drip out of the pipes. So I would just hear up above me anytime I was trying to sleep. And as you know, the entertainment industry's got some early ass call times. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when you're trying to go to bed at 9 p.m., possibly, uh, your upstairs neighbor is showering and it actually just makes you want to kill yourself because (laughs) uh, you can't sleep. So it's awful and it sucks. But that was just my life for a little bit, which is cool. You didn't appreciate his thoughtful lullaby he left for you every night? Um, well, one time, I, so I did, uh, at about the like five or six month mark of living in that apartment, I was just like, I can't fucking do this anymore. And I joker snapped and I just <laughs> I walked up the stairs, the seven or eight stairs that it took to get to the apartment above us, knocked on the woman, knocked on the door. There was two women living in the apartment. And I said, Hey, um, can you hear me when I'm taking a shower? And she was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, oh no worries. I was just curious because I can hear you when you're taking a shower. <laughs> I just like completely snapped, could not do it anymore. And she was like, okay, thanks. And then like closed the door. And I was like, I got to get the fuck out of this apartment. This is too much for me. So. I'm just trying to imagine like a Noah Marger. Like if I didn't know Noah Marger just showing up at my doorstep saying, hey, I can hear you take shower. <laughs> can hear you in the fucking shower, asshole. And it's like not oh her God. fault at all. It's the building. Um, and I told the like apartment manager so many times like, dude, you got to do something. And he's like, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> just like over <laughs> and over just saying like, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. And I'm like, well, then do something about it, you freak. So... <laughs> That's uh, the joys of North Hollywood. Oh, Did you yeah. have any bad apartment aspects to what you were living in your first apartment? Um, I mean, it was just a really, honestly, like, there were a lot of great aspects to it because it was kind of a weird, I don't even know if I can call it a condo because it was just kind of like a shack that was painted blue. So it like, it looked chic, um, sure. but there was four of them in this shared parking lot. And like, I don't know how it worked out, but everyone who moved in were people in the film industry who were all like roughly our age. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, so honestly, it was, like, super dope in that way. Like, some of the guys that lived in one of the apartments, like, I used to make sketches with them, and it felt great. You know, it kind of still felt like college a little bit, that it was so easy yeah. to, like, collaborate with people and, like, you know, just kind of, like, knock on a dorm room door almost. Um, but the downsides were that, you know, like, 
I wouldn't go as far as say it was like a bad neighborhood and there were a lot of nice people in the neighborhood, but right. there were a couple of shootings in the neighborhood and um I mean, like, we were constantly getting packages stolen from our front door. And also, like, there was this bizarre thing. And we did not know, like, what the tea was. But, like, I'm not even sure if you could call it a front yard. But, like, our particular little, like, shack had kind of, like, fake grass in front. Probably, like, maybe, like, two feet by two feet little patch. And, like, we had, like, a couple of lawn chairs that we stacked in the grass and also, like, in the concrete uh um driveway and people would just show up in the middle of the night and like stack them in weird ways so it's like they would like open i mean our front door locked but we had a gate that like kind of had a lock but didn't really work very well they would like open the gate to like our kind of like quad if you will um like rearrange the chairs into some like weird i guess like chair sculpture and then just leave um, I mean, like, okay. maybe that was, like, a struggling artist, like, form of expression, in which case, like, I'm happy I was able to provide the opportunity, but it yeah. was just, like, it was almost more creepy, like, how it just became normal for us. Like, we would just open our door and be like, oh, another stranger was here and, like, rearranged our chairs. Okay. Well, thank God. I mean, listen, it, it's either that or they're, like, throwing them through your fucking window. Probably. Yeah. No, so it's I, like, honestly, not yeah. the worst thing. Not the worst thing at all. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we also had really thin... Walls. I had one of my uh, neighbors, he was like talking to me one day as I was getting the mail and he was like, hey, like, do you live with a rapper? And I was like, oh, a rap? like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know. I just hear someone who's like always rapping. And I immediately knew he was absolutely talking about me. And I am terrible. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's not even like I try and it's kind of like, oh, ha ha funny. It's like, you just like want to like punch yourself in the face. And so I kind of yeah. have this moment, like, and I'm terrible at lying, where I was just kind of like getting the mail. And I was like, oh, weird. I I don't know. It's been like our music. I don't know. <laughs> Get back inside. Wow, brutal. Can yeah. you spit a couple bars for us here oh, live on the track? Oh, I really don't want to. <laughs> okay. Well, we won't. We won't subject you or the listeners to that. Then I guess. Listen, so. listen. Next time, when we're all shot up, I will have a gathering at my apartment. I will. I will invite all of you over, and once I've had enough Trulies in my system, I will rap, and you will all hear it. Okay, hell yeah, Maddie's uh, rendition of Super Bass for all the uh, <laughs> uh, for all the for all the ladies and the fellas and the theys out oh, there. Yeah, so oh, yeah. looking forward to that, uh, <laughs> Maddie. I'm gonna ask you Noe's question. Can Ooh. you fucking believe that we're already at that part of the show? I can't fucking wait, Alexander Barrett. Sing to me. Okay, wait. Actually, here we go. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna hear it. I'm. I got it. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. It's Noe's question. question. Did you hear that? I did. I did. Thank you so much for doing that for me. You're so welcome. I think that's the future of the show now that Mm -hmm. I know that neat little trick about Zoom. Uh, If you don't know, you can share strictly audio on Zoom. There's a advanced tab on Zoom for all the folks out there who are in charge of getting their either family or (laughs) business Zoom calls (laughs) together because the 35-year-old guy that you work for cannot figure it out because he's too busy doing whatever 35-year-old men do during a pandemic. So Fucking bitches and getting money, you know? Yeah, I was going to say fucking the secretary, but I didn't know if I should go that far or something like that. Because we're not in offices right now. That's the thing. So it's got to be like a like a cybering thing if, if kids still say cybering. Yeah, I was about Can to say, say that. that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't fucking know. Or maybe it's just... Say, oh, sorry. You go. I was just going to say, or maybe it's like a long commute, you know, to get his uh, forbidden yummies. I don't know. 
Forbidden yummies? What the fuck? That's crazy. <laughs> I've never heard forbidden yum. I don't want you to that say that anymore. That is because I just made it up, and I don't really like that I said it either. So. Yeah, okay, well, all right. Now that, now that i got to make a piece of merch that just says forbidden yummies <laughs> on it, and like five people around LA would be like, oh, cool, you listen to my favorite podcast. I'll <laughs> be like, yeah, that's very cool. That I would like 10% of sales, podcast. please. Let's draft a contract. Awesome. We'll talk about that after. It's okay, great, zero, great, great. But I'm going to ask you Noe's question now. Well, maybe two. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you Noe's question now, uh, <laughs> Maddie. Mm-hmm. We got a very uh, specific and yet unique topic uh, today, and I'm gonna ask you. It might not make sense why I'm asking you this question now, but it will make sense by the time this podcast is over. Who do you think is a drip god? Who do you think? has got such a cool, unique sense of style, whether it's someone you know in your own life, whether it's a public figure, who's someone that you think has a really unique sense of fashion and style? It's such a good question. I do understand how it relates to uh, the topics that I presented to you. I really do. But unfortunately, something that I am trying to improve upon is to give more of a shit about fashion and style. Because it's honestly, I have such admiration for my friends. Uh, Quick shout out to Casey Johnson and Dominique Grund. Because they, honestly, I'll say it. They're celebrities in my book. And they have such distinct and like fantastic style and like every outfit they put on like I just feel intimidated by looking at them you know they're so good at that and I just feel like the way I dress myself it's like I more like kind of like dress myself in moods and vibes and like patterns that I'm drawn to but I do want to kind of hop on that fashion game because I also want to intimidate people so um but I guess like a celebrity if I can think of one off the top of my head you know, I think I gotta say, um, just in general, kind of like Tina Fey, but just really, say, yeah. Well, and like she's not a drip god, but like she is kind of the one who like inspired me to start wearing pantsuits, um, simply because they are so convenient and like you look, you look like you know, you look like you like fucking like know how to pay your taxes and you right. have a job, but. At the end of the day, it's like you don't even have to like pick out an outfit. You just set it out and you put it on and you look fucking fantastic. You don't even have to wear underwear. It's great. Like you lit and you don't have to worry about flashing people if you want to like manspread for the day. It's like it's really ideal. Well, I'm gonna have to try the pantsuit thing after. It's great. It's great, dude. Oh, actually, I thought of a better answer. So sorry. Please. Um, No, yeah. Dave, I know this is like one that people say a lot, but David Bowie, simply because. Oh, sure. Yeah, I love, uh, honestly, I do kind of like whatever little fashion I do have. Um, I kind of try to draw from him just because I really like that he pushed every boundary he possibly could and in doing so inspired everyone else to do the same. Damn. Okay. So you went from having no fucking idea what you were going to answer for that <laughs> question to actually it's David Bowie. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, very, <laughs> I, I, I saw the fucking snake serpentining through that question, trying to land on something. And by the end you're like, actually it's David Bowie. Welcome to my brain. So, Thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome. <laughs> uh, well, my answers to that question and maybe something that you can uh, look up if you're not familiar with either of these people, I have two answers for you on this one. First one's got to be this guy named Mordecai Rubenstein. Does that name mean anything to you? It does not, but I hope it does soon. Uh, he, I don't even know really what you can call him except for an, an influencer, but he's like a fashion dude. He oftentimes like 
collabs with the Safdie brothers. Like he's like just sort of like a New York like fashion guy. I don't know if he's like a designer or what, but like he's like a fashion guy. The Safdie brothers really like him. I actually past guest and good friend of mine, Dustin Titcomb, one of his first jobs in LA was a PA job where he drove Mordecai around on this like traveling show that they were doing around like I want to say like the greater west like western United States so he's got some serious drip it's very funky it's very out there very outlandish and part of probably why I like him so much is because I'm like damn I don't know if I could ever pull that off but like he's got like some serious swag behind him so that's my answer number one and then maybe you know this other person she's actually popping off a little bit do you know who Remy Wolf is I do actually yeah, Remy mm-hmm. Wolf's got some serious drip. Dude, I think her does. outfits are great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Her hats, I love her hats. I think her hats are awesome. So They're insane, those yeah. Are, those are my two answers. Technically, check out Mordecai Rubenstein. I'll actually link, uh, for the listeners, I'll link his Instagram in the description if you want to take a look at, his name is Mr. Mort, I think, on Instagram. So we'll check him out. But thank you for answering my question, Maddie. Let's get actually fucking started on this podcast now. We're getting, we're in, we're balls deep, I guess, which is a weird expression to use based oh, on what we're talking deep. about today. No, I think uh, I think I can make it work. I will connect balls deep into this conversation. Don't you worry. That is so scary to hear. To be honest with you, I'm a little excited now. Um, but Maddie, I'm gonna ask you to frame it for both me and the audience. Okay. What are we re- what are we really talking about today ultimately? <laughs> We're talking about three similar but at the same time very different things. Mm-hmm. But what are we really talking about like today? What's like the point of what we're discussing? Well, no, I, the point of what we are discussing today, I actually, because when you asked me, it was very terrifying as I'm sure a lot of people were terrified because, you know, talking about yourself and examining your own identity and like what actually do I love what is my favorite it's kind of a a scary thing to look yourself in the mirror and just kind of get to know yourself sometimes you know sure um but I actually drew inspiration from the air dates I knew that this podcast is going to be airing March 25th maybe that'll change I don't know but sometime in March um and I you know like I wanted to kind of celebrate Women's History Month or kind of take advantage sure. of that with the timing of it all. So uh, the, I guess the kind of the cap to put over everything that's going to be discussed is my favorite moments that I personally have experienced as a woman recently. And then more specifically, how those moments have kind of shaped my own relationship with my um, identity as a woman and... Okay. Uh, feminist. Okay, yeah. that that is that's what we're di- that's what we're talking about today, folks. So it is. I'm very interested to see how that thread continues through <laughs> all these things. For some of them, I think it's more obvious than others, mm-hmm. and for some of them, I think that it's maybe obvious to me, but maybe not what you're gonna say. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways that this can go. So I'm very excited to really dive into this. But me too. How did you ultimately pick the three, without revealing what the three things that we're going to be talking about are, how did you decide, like, these are the three things that I wanted to talk about? How did that, how did you make your list, so to speak? Um, I made my list by just kind of, like, thinking back to the moments where I kind of was reminded that I was a woman, you know, because we all have, we all have identities in whether or not those are those identities are reflected by our vessels, I kind of think is irrelevant. But 
you know, it's like, I feel like it's so easy to get sucked into just like day-to-day tasks. You like forget who you are and like everything that comprises who you are. And um, the three things that I picked are things that I consume or that I look at in a mirror and I'm reminded like, fuck yeah, I'm a woman. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm also really proud of the journey that all of womankind has taken. But also saying that I do want to preface by saying that everything that I will be discussing is specific to um, my relationship with my womanhood and how I identify as a woman and just like my own personal experiences that I've had as a woman, because I think kind of a an uh-oh situation that, you know, the feminist movement can get into is trying to put, you know, like a blanket experience over all women when that is just not the case. Because at the sure. end of the day, if you identify as a woman, you will have a different experience and you will have different hoops to jump through. And, you know, like women of varying identities will have more hoops to jump through than others. I think it's also important sure. to identify my privilege as a white woman. And so what I pick to discuss is very specific to um, what I've had to experience. But I just, I don't, because I think with the feminism movement, something that happens a lot, it's like this really toxic idea that, you know, it's like, it's kind of about, you know, like white women first. And I think that is fucked. And I think that every time you're thinking about lifting women up, you have to be thinking about lifting every woman up regardless of like how exactly she fits into um that category if if you identify as a woman you deserve to be lifted up and you deserve empowerment getting off that's awesome now (laughs) well you're about to get back on (laughs) (laughs) because getting my steps in today Yeah, exactly. Damn, look at you. Fucking glad you glad glad you dress like you're about to go to the gym because <laughs> whew, you're gonna get those steps in big time. Um, you actually gave me a great segue. Uh, oh, great! How has the idea of femininity or womanhood changed for you throughout your life <laughs> when you first became cognizant or aware of that idea to now? You don't have to go into every single nook and cranny, but generally, how has it changed? Um, I think the first, uh, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is that I kind of learned to embrace uh, more of my quote unquote feminine side as I became older, because when I was younger, um, I would say like in my high school and even early college years, I just always felt that in order to be respected and to be heard that I had to behave like a man, more or less, kind of like take on like the stereotypical like, um, I guess, uh, associations of how men act, you know, for example, like if you want to be heard, you almost have to like mute your enthusiasm and your emotions, um, which I guess I don't want to get too tangential here, but like, I also think it's fucked that men are expected to mute their emotions because I don't think that showing emotions is a sign of weakness whatsoever. It's a celebration of like every experience that we get to, you know, like exude feel as human beings. And I, do, I think it's like, fuck that we have to ignore those all the time. Anyway, but getting back to my serpent train. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, I think I kind of fell, uh, I don't want to say victim, but I kind of like fell into the trap that like, I feel like a lot of media in the early 2000s portrayed, which is like, you know, if you're, if you're a cool girl, 
Or if you're like, an, like if you're like an awesome chick, if you're not like one of those lame girls, like can't really think, you know, then you have to like eat cheeseburgers and be one of the bros, yes, you know. Yes. And I, you know, like I do think there are a lot of aspects that I have within me naturally, but like I just really felt myself trying to force that sometimes, and I hated that. Like I had to ignore the fact that like I get, I love, you know, like I love. The Bachelor, like I love, you know, sure. like I feel like the shared experience that a lot of um, women had when we were like awkward adolescents, which is like almost like this weird cult following in Limited to or Justice or Claire's. Sure. I don't know if like this rings any bells to you, but I feel like that's an experience that a lot of women had, and I'm, you know, I'm proud that like I was a part of that weird like gendered culty thing, like as toxic as it was, you know, it's like that was a part of my childhood and. Like, I love the movie Legally Blonde, and, like, I think that you can wear pink and kick ass, and I don't think sure. that, like, that should diminish your presence in any boardroom. Um, so I think that's the main thing, and I also uh, have realized that I felt the need to, like, be more than human for a long time, okay. and I honestly, like, only just came to this realization recently um, where I just felt like I always had to, I always had to do more, you know, like I, I feel like a word that a lot of people use to describe me is extra because it's like the bare minimum has just never been enough for me. Cause I feel like in order for anything to be acceptable for me or like for people to accept anything that I produce, it's like, I have to do extra, which has really sure. gotten me into a lot of um, not gotten, but it's put me into a lot of holes and I feel like I've become my own worst enemy in that way. And I think it's because, you know, it's like there's this unfair expectation on women that women are like these ethereal beings that are capable of so much, which I, you know, it's like, I understand why that or why people say that and like why people try to kind of like uh, manifest in the right word, but almost like perpetuate that idea, you know, because for so long women are and have been oppressed. And so I think that's people's way of trying to like elevate us. But also it's like, at least with my experience, I feel like it makes me feel like less of a human because I'm okay. no longer allowed to be a human because it's like, because of like my female identity, I now feel like I have to check all these boxes and be perfect and fill this identity that's kind of been like projected onto me of like being an ethereal goddess that is somehow together all the time and can do anything which sure i think that all little girls should grow up you know knowing that they are capable of whatever they want to do but i don't think we should shove it down their throats as an expectation that like they have to be impeccable because at the end of the day, we're all goddamn human beings. And I really just right. want permission to be mediocre sometimes. Sure. Or relax. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. You just know? like, just like sit down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Any, anything else that's worth noting about maybe how femininity or your idea of womanhood has changed throughout? Because if not, I want to jump into talking about our first... I jump on our first lily pad, so to speak. I mean, I have a lot to say, but let's go ahead and let's go ahead and jump in. Cause I'm sure those other things will come up naturally as we discuss. So let's get on uh, the lily pad. Let's jump on that freaking lily pad. Yeah. Uh, first, first lily pad of the episode is something I actually, as if you listen to this show or you listen to my other show, you'll know 
I'm a big fan of adult animation, but I've never, I had never seen this before. Really? We're talking about, yeah, this is my first experience with this show. We're talking about Tuca and Birdie mm-hmm. uh, from 2019. Maddie, why did you pick Tuca and Birdie specifically? Uh, I picked Tuca and Birdie for a lot of reasons. Um, first of all, I'm also a big fan of adult animation, and I love yeah, that cool. I feel like, uh, I love that animation, particularly like really absurd or silly animation, I feel like. Uh, has the ability to disarm audiences in a way where they can experience catharsis and empathize with real human experiences on screen in the form of like fucking animals and animal puns and all this weird trippy shit. And it's great because you go in and you're like, wow, this is absurd. It's kind of like let your guard down a little bit. And I feel like at least for me, I feel more vulnerable in those situations. And then when it hits you with that real tea, real human shit, it's like you feel it more and you're like, fuck. But then it somehow feels less scary while you are processing it. So again, like this is my personal experience, but I feel like my walls come down and I appreciate it and feel it and just really relish in it more. Um, And so like a segue into, I pick this particular episode of Tuca and Birdie because it depicts, um, it depicts an experience that unfortunately a lot of women have gone through, myself included, right. which is sexual assault. Um, and I loved, I loved, 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 loved the way they did it because so often I feel like sexual assault in um, film, media, whatever, is such like a scary, cagey thing that is discussed because it is, it is. And that's, you know, that's the truth. But it just, I kind of grew tired of, you know, like, like women who went through this experience being depicted on screen as like somehow like damaged or broken when I, and again, like everyone has a different experience with this and it really is like, I mean, like, at least in my case, it's like you never like truly get over it, but you know, it's like, I, I never, I never wanted to be looked at as some like injured lamb or deer you know, right. it's like this happened to me and it's something that I go through every day and it's really fucking hard a lot of the time. But it's possible to, you know, if like with the right support system and again, like I don't want to speak for every experience because I mean, there are a lot of ways that this can affect women and like there's varying degrees of psychological and physical trauma that people go through. Um, but I always wanted to believe that I had the power to face it and challenge it and figure out a way to, um, you know, live with it, like, on my own terms. And I really feel like that Tuca and Birdie did a great job with that. Um, I'm, like, I'm kind of debating whether or not I want to give too much away because it really is such a beautiful scene, but they do it in a way where, you know, like, Birdie has... uh, like bad memories and is very cagey about a specific place, which is something that I resonated with. So I found that I kind of handled my trauma by putting everything into a cage and letting it live inside of myself, but also at the place where it happened. Um, And I just kind of avoided that place at all costs. And I didn't even really, I, I didn't talk about it for until I was, I think, 
a freshman in college um, oh, wow. because I felt so much shame around it. You know, like I, I didn't, and again, I don't, I don't want to necessarily blame just the school system. Um, even though at least, I don't know if you are familiar with Glencoe, Noah, you grew up 15 minutes away from me, but. Oh, I didn't realize that it was, I, to be honest with you, I thought it was the other, uh, Hillsborough high school, uh, that you had attended because, uh, I just heard some not as good things about that high school specifically. So oh, I didn't yeah. realize it was, I didn't realize that it was uh Glencoe high school. So yeah. I, yeah, that is actually a little bit surprising to me, to be honest with you. It's thanks. I feel like the, the, like the reputations that all high schools got were not at least my experience with them, but, um, sure. but I don't know, but everyone has a different experience in high school. So it's like, it's one of those things, but um, I mean like Glencoe in particular just did not have, a sex ed course at all. Oh, really? Uh, like at all. I mean, like did like one kind of like, you know, sweep it under the rug thing where we put a condom on a banana and they were like, but I didn't, you know, I knew nothing about consent. I knew nothing about that. And so I felt that, you know, like I had somehow, even though like I didn't want it to happen and I vocalized that, I felt that I had somehow seduced this man with my harlotry to do this to me. And so I felt like it was my fault yeah, and um, and I, yeah, and so and so for for a long time I didn't talk about it because I felt like I felt so much shame and I didn't want to bring it up to everybody because or to anybody because I felt like, you know, like those people would leave me because I did something right. incredibly shameful because um, I mean for a lot of reasons but one of the main ones being that at least in the kind of the um, cultural climate that I grew up in, you know, it was like a very religious part of town or at least like, sure. Like the sector that I hung out with. And so purity in one and womankind in general was something that was like really praised. Like I, I am not wow. proud of this, but in middle school when they did that like fucking like terrible, like shorts check thing on women with the ruler and they were like, like I was one of those toxic women where like whenever someone's shorts were too short, I was like, <laughs> fucking slut like that's wow. how that's how I was raised and it was so toxic and terrible but I was so brainwashed into thinking that was just how it was so sure. um anyway so I felt really alone and I know what it's like to like not want to bring it up because of shame sure. um and so it was so powerful to me to see Tuka confide in her friend Birdie about it um and have a supportive force and birdie was the one who was saying like you're gonna go to peanut butter island the site where it happened which happens to be an island shaped like a giant peanut because lisa hannawald is a silly genius um genius genius (laughs) and um and the next day birdie swam out and i found it really beautiful that she originally tried doing it on her own but was struggling because that's a long fucking way to swim but then was followed by this team of like badass women who were there to support her the entire way. And at the end of the day, Birdie was the one who got herself to Peanut Butter Island to face her trauma and assault. But when she had moments where it got to be too much, she had her team of women to literally pick her up and help her the rest of the way there. And um, I, you know, like the only reason why I was like, I felt comfortable eventually talking about it was because I had a friend, freshman year at Chapman who unfortunately also went through like a really traumatic uh assault during a week and it was that moment where as I was trying to support her and help her through it like I realized that her trauma was my trauma and that I had to face it myself and um but I wasn't alone and I was able to open up to people and 
um, it felt really nice to kind of get past the shame and feel that yeah. support. And at the end of uh, the episode, like, I think, actually, I wrote down the exact quote. Let me pull it up really quick. Birdie says, yeah, yeah. Um, I felt so ashamed the last couple of days, but right now I feel strong. And I just nice. thought that was so powerful because that was, um, it had a lot to do with my experience. And it felt a lot like, um, which was another scene that was depicted in the episode, but I felt a lot like kind of revisiting the younger version of myself and embracing her and telling her that everything was going to be okay. Well, I want to thank you for sharing that, not with just with me, but with the listeners. That is, uh, I think, a very brave thing to do and a very vulnerable thank you. thing to do. So I want to thank you for uh, being willing to do that um, on air. So thank you for that. Um, it's interesting that you, what you said prior to talking about Tuca and Birdie about how your idea of femin or femininity and womanhood has changed with the idea that they have to be, you know, this ethereal, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I remember you saying is this sort of ethereal deity of sorts, you know, this yes. like, all powerful person. And in this episode specifically, and I haven't seen the rest of Tuca and Birdie, so you have to tell me if this is congruent with that, <laughs> but you really just get to see both of them really be very messy and be yes. very like imperfect and be very yes. Yes. like reckless to a certain degree. 100%. Which is some, it's something that you don't get to see not just in animation, but I feel like a lot of the times women characters aren't portrayed as people who are reckless or selfish or, you know, fragile or something, maybe fragile, Absolutely. but not in this kind of way, fragile. Uh, in a different possibly way that's, mm -hmm. you know, fragile and maybe diminutive, demeaning way sometimes that's fragile, mm -hmm. not in a strength through vulnerability way, yes. which we get with, uh, is it Birdie who yes. ends up sharing with Birdie? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's very interesting that that is something that you sort of realized and that I think also relates not only to this, but the thing we're going to talk about next, I think also in a big major way. Um, and I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you real quick about Tuca and Birdie uh, mm -hmm. not just in this episode, but in the show as a whole, what do you think Tuca and Birdie does for the idea of female empowerment, for the idea of, like, I guess for lack of a better term, just, like, women in general? I think it's so fucking important, and I cannot tell you how just heartbreaking it was when Netflix did not renew a second season. It was, sure. it was honestly, it was just, I mean, like, there's so many moments and television history where things aren't renewed and it's like what the fuck like why did but like this it just it felt personal it felt really personal it felt like netflix was saying like oh i mean we like it when men kind of do like the meta like gross silly like slice of life animal weird thing but like when women do it it's just like just kind of weird like that's just what it felt like not funny <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly yeah they're like yeah the women just keep trying but uh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. yeah but i i think it's so important because it's you know like what you said i really resonate with that like it's it seems like such a simple thing but i am so fucking excited when i see an imperfect female character sure it's like it's honestly like it's it's it, it's mind it's mind-boggling how rare it is because even if a woman is like, quote unquote, flawed in some way, it's in some like, I see an accessible, like somehow like sure. inhuman way. And even if you look at like, you know, the quote unquote, like seven female archetypes, like they all suck. They all suck and they're two dimensional. <laughs> and like, and it, it just, it just, I feel like 
you know, it's like no wonder women put so much pressure on themselves because I mean, I think there's a million different ways of forming your own identity. And like, I'm no psychologist. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in this. But for me, I think a lot of the ways I form my identity was like seeing, you know, like women that I related to or not just women, but humans in general um, depicted on television shows that I liked or stories that I liked to read. And, you know, I kind of like I feel like a lot of myself was formed based on like the characters that like I fell in love with, with like the stories that I consumed. Um, and I love knowing that Tuca and Birdie exists because I feel like had I seen this when I was younger, I would have not felt ashamed to be a hot mess sometimes. And I feel like I would have taken a lot more pride in my anxieties and sure. my messy habits. You know, I feel like, something that's like very shocking to people that I always say is like, I don't, my room is always a mess. And I feel like so many people just like expect women to be so tidy all the time. Sure. Like, I think it's a fucking waste of time. And I <laughs> love seeing Tuka. I'm not sure if it was depicted in this episode, but like her room is always a mess and she's like happy with that. And it's fine. Like she's not depicted as like, I mean, they kind of like poke fun at like her being a slob, but it's like, that's not her identity. It's just like, she's like, I don't got time for that. You know, like, cause I don't right. have time for that. And like, it's just like small things like that that are great, but just like, you know, I guess to kind of try to condense my excitement down is that like they are imperfect maniacs, but they are still good pe like birds, yeah. not people, but good characters <laughs> that you love and you root for. And they feel so, they feel like fully fleshed human beings, even though they're animated birds. Damn. You love to see those animated birds yes. being fully formed people <laughs> right. walking around on screen. I you know. fucking you love to see it. We have we have no choice but to stand. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just curious, how did you discover the show? I know it's not like the most, you know, deep cut thing in the entire world. Like it's literally just on Netflix, but what led you to watch the show in the first place? How did you discover it? Um, full honesty, I I mean I love Bojack Horseman like so sure. much. Um, I, I thought it was a great show, uh, but I didn't, from the little thumbnail on Netflix, I didn't know that it was Lisa, it was, it was Lisa Hannawalt. I had no idea. Um, sure. I was really high one night and I was Let's browsing through Netflix. <laughs> and all right, all right. I, 420 friendly podcast. Let's go. Let's get the J's out folks. Um, Come on. <laughs> and, and I was just like looking for something because I think I just had like a really long fucking day like I think I was yeah. like I think it was the summer yeah it was just, it was like right after graduation I just did this like like horrible PA I, I like drove I was still in orange at that point and I drove all the way to LA and like all the way back and I was like I just want something like silly I don't care and I saw the thumbnail it said too good birdie I was like too good birdie how stupid and I clicked on it <laughs> and then it became my favorite show it, it just opened my eyes and exciting news there's no exact date yet this least like last time I checked but Adult Swim is picking up Tuka and Birdie for season two and it's expected to be released sometime in 2021 so Yes, chef, you nailed yes. it. That is actually going to be that is actually one of my fast facts. Oh, and I'm so sorry I stole it from you. 
I literally people do not like the fastback, so it's actually good that you said it and not me because at least they're like, all right, well at least fucking the guest said the fast facts instead <laughs> I of like the, the fast guy. Facts, Noah. <laughs> the, thank God you like the fast facts. I think I'm actually maybe gonna rebrand and call them cool facts because on like two episodes ago, my guest was like, man, these aren't fast, but they are cool or something like that. That's so and funny. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe these are the cool facts. But can I can I spit some cool facts at you about Please Tuca and Bertie. Hey, catch the cool kid's interest. What? I don't know. <laughs> just say, say the fucking facts, Noah. Don't question. Okay, good. All right. I'm not going to quit. I'm actually just going to move on. We're actually going to cut that out of the episode. <laughs> Please do. Spare right. my dignity. I don't have much left. All right. Neither do I. Tuca and Birdie is an American adult animated sitcom created by Lisa Hannah Walt that began streaming on May 3rd, 2019. On Netflix, it stars Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong as the titular Tuca and Birdie. Yes. Tuka, yes. Uh, Tuca originated in Lisa Hanawalt's webcomic Tuca the Toucan, which ran from 2013 to 2014. On February 20th, 2018, Netflix had announced it had given the production a series order to consist of 10 episodes. The series was created by Hannah Walt and executive produced alongside Raphael Bob is it Waksburg? Wakesburg? How do we say that? Do you know? I could not tell you. I see the word in my mind, but saying it is just not coming. We're going with Waksburg. Right. I hope that's right. I hope maybe it's wrong. Maybe I hope it's wrong, actually. Hope it's wrong. Uh, of Bojack Horseman fame, as well as Tiffany Haddish herself. And then the big the big news, Netflix announced that the series was canceled on July 24th, 2019. In a series of tweets responding to the news, Hannah Walt expressed gratitude for the cast reviews and cast crew reviews fans. Say that. Cast Crews crew reviews and fans. fans. It's hard. It's hard to do. Yeah, that's like what is that when the like fuck there's like when the rapper's on stage he's like mc means move the crowd or something like puts the mic like over to the left and puts the mic over the, who cares doesn't matter hannah walton <laughs> had both expressed hope that the show could find a new home the announcement of the show's cancellation was met with a negative response within 24 hours of the cancellation the twitter hashtags renew tuka and birdie and hashtag save tuka and birdie each reached more than 10,000 tweets from users a change.org petition to renew the show gained media attention and received 3,600 signatures in less than 24 hours various news and lifestyle sites published columns lamenting the cancellation while continuing to praise the show for its female representation diverse cast and handling of complex issues the cancellation was deemed to be disappointing and a loss for television and also led to the criticism of Netflix algorithm highlighted by its failure to recommend the show to or failure to recommend the show to creator Hannah Wald and Netflix itself for prematurely canceling the series less than three months after its premiere. So, yeah, we were pissed. What did you feel like when you found out that the show was canceled? What was that like for you hearing that news? I think I just kind of felt like, you know, because not that like Tuke and Birdie isn't about me and I don't even... I don't even necessarily think it's about like like capturing my specific identity, but I felt like it was saying that, you know, like we don't like to see women being real or we don't like to see women being actual fucking human beings, even though they're birds. Um, and and yeah. that like basically like women being messy is gross and we don't like dealing with that. That's how it felt like to me. And it just felt like I didn't matter, you know, like my little pocket of like, I guess, like, my identity reflected. Yeah, my interest yeah. was just, like, poo-pooed. Sure. Yeah, I can imagine. That is... It's just, like, damn. They always cancel the best stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like... It's like nothing gold can stay at the end of the mm -hmm. day. You know, that classic 
Did you have to read The Outsiders in school? Was that a book I did that read you The Outsiders. Pony one of the Boy. few bo- one of the few books literally Ponyboy could exist in the Two Converted Universe. He could be a little He totally Ponyboy. could. He could be no, write this shit down. Write it down. <laughs> write it down. Just like spitting in people's mouths. We gotta write it all down. We gotta write it Fucking all down goal. so we save it. Yeah. Um uh here's the good news though. On May twenty second, twenty twenty, during twenty twenty, the hell year. Uh. <laughs> it, was, it was during during that hellscape of a year. Actually it was kinda bad. Uh it was announced that the series would be revived on Adult Swim in twenty twenty one, making it the second Netflix original series to be revived coming off the cancellation of One Day at a Time in twenty nineteen. Never heard of that show. Don't think anyone ever saw it. Uh the revival was named one of IndieWire's most anticipated TV shows of twenty twenty one. And then just a couple quick facts about Lisa Hannah Walt herself, born in Palo Alto, California, to Stanford biologist Stanford biologists Philip Hannah Walt and Graciela Spivak. So, coming from the mind of two Stanford biologists, no wonder she goes on to make an adult animated show. When your parents are biologists who work at Stanford, you when know? I found that out, that was my thought exactly. I was just like, how perfect that she loves animals. Exactly. It's just like, of course, like the smartest people in the world are the people making comedy shows at <laughs> yeah, the end of the day. Absolutely. It's not politicians. It's not scientists. It's not anyone. It's fucking comedy writers. No, because honestly, like, it takes a genius. It really does. It's a very specific formula to make people laugh, you know, especially because humor is so subjective. So if, like, it's are, crazy. if you're able to make a mass group of people laugh, like that's fucking insane. Yeah, baby. It is wild. Of course, you know, it's just like, yeah, my parents were both Stanford biologists, so of course I of course I went into I went into comedy after that. It's like every person who ever went to Harvard is like on SNL or yep. like wrote for SNL or something like yep. that. Uh, her first comic series, I Want You, was published in 2009 by Buena, Vent- Buena Ventura Press. In 2010, Hannah Walt was the first woman to win the Ignatz Award for Outstanding Comic for I Want You Number 1. Uh, in 2012, she illustrated her first children's book, Benny's Brigade, published by McSweeney's and authored by Arthur Bradford. The book stars a tiny talking walrus Aww. rescued by two sisters with a range of magical animals at the end of the quest. The book was named, quote, wildest book of the year. <laughs> you have to say it like that, too. Wildest book of the year <laughs> by children's lit blog, 100 Scope Notes, and called Exuberant and Imaginative by Forward Reviews. The Netflix animated television series Bojack Horseman, debuting in 2014, is designed by Hannah Walt, as Maddie mentioned earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. She has been friends with the creator Raphael Bob Weixberg since high school, and previously worked on him with previously worked with him on the web comic Tip Me Over, Pour Me Out, and she is longtime partner of comedian Adam Conover. So if you like mm-hmm. Adam ruins everything, mm-hmm. that's her husband. That's cool. Yeah, power couple. I, power couple. Yeah, I don't know. I thought there was gonna be like I thought it was gonna say something crazy after that. I was gonna be like, yeah, power couple. Too bad they're both dead in a ditch or something like that. <laughs> I thought I was gonna say like just something like completely insane after that, which I guess I just ultimately did. And if anyone from if the FBI or NSA is listening to me record this podcast, I'm pretty sure they're not dead in a ditch. So please do not come knocking on my door being like, yeah, we were listening to an unreleased podcast where you said that Lisa Hannah Walt and Adam Conover were dead in a ditch. So. Please leave me alone, FBI, NSA. Uh, that's all I got about uh, Tuca and Birdie. Is there anything else worth saying about Tuca and Birdie before we move on to our next lily pad? Um, I think uh, just really quick that I feel like, um, like just generally speaking, it's like the way they handle like day to day, like, like, mm, I'm trying to think of the right words for this. Um, like the the obstacles they have to overcome, I feel like are very specific to uh 
you know, like, generally speaking, again, like, every woman's experience is different, but experiences that women, uh, like, have on a day-to-day basis that, you know, I just feel like it's very rare to see that in, um, in media because I feel like it takes, like, a board of, like, primarily female writers to bring that to the table. So it's very refreshing to see that. Um, and also, I just, I guess I kind of wanted to clarify that, you know, like, it's never an easy journey to face the trauma that you experience with sexual assault. And I didn't want it to come off like, you know, like, oh, well, you can't be broken. You just face your fears, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Because I mean, it took, it took me six years just to approach the conversation. I know it takes so many women so much longer. Um, And I thought that Turkey, Turkey, (laughs) well, but I thought that Tuca and Birdie did a really, it was like a silly kind of depiction of the journey of learning to face your um your trauma by like presenting it in this like mad dash adventure to swim to an island there was like one point a giant crab came up they had to battle which um i mean i don't know if they were this thoughtful when they were writing the scene they're probably like fucking crab that's hilarious i thought it was funny but um i thought that it kind of uh symbolized a lot of the demons that come up as you are you know making your journey so i just wanted to kind of put that out there because i know so many women struggle that struggle with that on a day-to-day basis so well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for making that clarification. Uh, I think there is actually a lot of similar things to talk about, but also very different things to talk about on this next topic <laughs> that we're jumping to. We're going to jump to our next lily pad here. We're talking about Fleabag. Oh, yeah. The first. Oh, yes, baby. <laughs> yes. Finally. Someone said it. Finally, we're talking about Fleabag. Uh, we're talking about specifically the uh, first season of Fleabag today and very specifically the last episode. But before we talk about that episode in particular, uh, Maddie, why did you pick Fleabag uh, to include in this greater list? And what is it about Fleabag that you like so much? Uh, I guess similarly to what we discussed previously about how Tuca and Birdie are hot messes sometimes, but also, you know, like so enticing to watch and just feel so real. I felt that way about Fleabag slash Phoebe. Um, I love that she depicted herself as a fucking hot mess, but she was still powerful and enticing, and you root for her the whole time. And I also love that I feel like Phoebe Waller-Bridge took a lot of um, unfair, uh, I guess, boxes that women kind of constantly have to shove themselves into, and she made them her own. Um, she has this, hang on, I have another, another quote from my notes. Yeah, baby, let's do that. And I'm going to pull up and she says, let's see here. She says, base, she's, so she, she was referring to like, you know, like women's prime or womankind's primary role in comedy, uh, when they are depicted in comedy, which is more rare than I think a lot of people realize. Um, she says, Basically, to be fucked or not to be fucked is the ultimate demise of any female character in comedy, meaning it's like their sole purpose in comedy, like the comedic relief that is experienced is like solely based off of like whether or not she gets fucked at the end. And that it's like and hearing, I guess it put so bluntly was kind of refreshing for me and also just sad because I mean, obviously, that's the case all the time um kool-aid man crashes through wall not all men but um (laughs) but i feel like and and, you know and like things are moving in a better direction which i'm super stoked about but like i i loved you know like 
stupid comedies growing up. That was my bread and butter. Like, I at one point, I don't anymore, so please don't ask me to recite it. But, like, I had Monty Python, the Holy Grail, or like, I had it memorized. You know, I love oh, that yeah. shit. But, you know, every time you saw a woman in there, like, her role was to be fucked or not to be fucked. And that was the funny part of her existence. And sure. so I love that Phoebe, like, not only kind of, like, introduced that idea in her series, but challenged it, but also kind of, like play out in a way where like audiences could kind of like make their own um make their own assessment of it like because she talks about sex so much because she's struggling with sex addiction in the show but sure um there's a great monologue at the end of this particular episode which is the uh season finale of episode one um is the episode we're discussing which she has this like heartbreaking monologue where she is uh <laughs> spilling her guts to this guy who denied her a loan for her guinea pig cafe um and she says something to the extent of i just feel like basically she basically she's like the only way like i feel i can feel validated is, is if somebody wants to fuck me if somebody wants to yeah. fuck my body and once i like get old and i lose that part of me i might as well kill my body and i thought that was so powerful because yes her character is struggling with a sex addiction which affects women and men and affects every person differently and it's not exclusive to your gender i mean whatever the fuck gender is but um you know it's like i think that is an experience that a lot of women feel that i have felt that i know a lot of my friends feel where it's like as a woman like your like the best validation and that you can receive you know like um you know almost like a a weird purpose in a way is like knowing that you are desirable you know and that like you are there for men to have sexual pleasure um and that's so frustrating to me and even the beginning of this episode like she's just getting fucking like railed by this guy um and like and he's like doing he he doesn't care what the fuck he looks like he's just going to pound town he's having a great time but she's there and she's like stay sexy always stay sexy (laughs) which which is so true and like i i don't think that's something that's talked about a lot where it's like in uh in intimate situations i'd really try to figure out a delicate way to phrase that (laughs) even though i've been saying like fuck pound town Oh my you god. You mean but, like when you say intimate situations, you mean like when the dentist is close to your mouth, right? Like that kind of intimate yeah. situation. That's what you're referring to. Right? Oh yes, yes. Or like a nice okay. cup of tea with your friend, you know? Yes, exactly. Just a one on one, just a classic one on one. You know, six feet apart wearing masks getting tested, of course. Oh, yes, of yes, course. very intimate. Okay, to clarify for our listeners, I mean when you're getting fucked. Um Yes, okay, perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, that actually makes sense to me. Now yes, you're okay, good. I'm glad I could clarify for everyone confused at home. But um, but I, I do feel like there is this unspoken rule where it's like the women, you know, in like the dance of mating, the women are the ones who kind of have to like do the dance and the um, one who has to do the seducing. They are the ones that have to be sexy and sexually desirable in sex. And again, like not always the case, you know, for people who I'm sure are feeling defensive right now and saying like, well, you know, I really try to please my woman. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do, buddy. I'm really sure. But, um, but at the same time, it's like, it's very frustrating to me. I didn't realize this existed until I was actually, uh, talking to my therapist about my own trauma and like, sure. Because again, like going back to like, you know, things that you experience every day, I still experience a lot of, 
um, fear and pain when I am intimate with somebody. When I say intimate, I mean getting fucked. And, yeah, there you go. Okay, um, perfect. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, and I remember talking to my therapist and I, and, you know, I wasn't like, I can't experience pleasure. What I said to her was, I just feel like I can't be sexy for men. And she's kind of like looked at me and she was like, I mean, what about your experience? And I, I just, I had never, <laughs> I had never even considered that. It was crazy. And at that point I was like fucking like 20 or no, I was, I was 21. And I was just like, like it never even crossed my mind. And like, that's so sad that that is a thing because I'm, you, you know, like, like, I think every human being, I think it's evolutionary, but like, you know, experiences like a lot of validation, you know, through being desirable in that sense because in the back of our minds we're like populate 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 it's just like it's just how it is but um so again i'm not to say like men have it bad because i really do think that like you know like men's body issues and sexual insecurities are often like swept under the rug which is unfair but you know again like general like general pattern is that i wish that i could fuck as free as a man like i really do wish that um sure and i feel like phoebe really <laughs> in very like um i'm trying just visceral ways like communicates that through fleabag and i also love that it's not preachy at all it's not um it's not like well here here's what you need to know about feminism like and she was in a, like she had an interview once and somebody was like well, what are your views on feminism she was like oh, fleabag you know she's very much into like show don't tell which i think is huge because you know like when i was growing up when people were like hey, you can do anything, you can be anything. I was kind of like, yeah, 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 okay. But when I saw somebody doing something that I wanted to do, that was what was the most powerful for me. And so I love that she's able sure. to do that with Fleabag. Great answer. Thank great, you. Great, great answer. Um, it's a very well done show. I know that I'm not saying totally. anything. Probably most people <laughs> fucking know, yeah, dude, Fleabag's amazing. <laughs> like you're like the last person to know about it. But like, I was, I was very like, impressed and that other thing about just like these characters like it's interesting because Tuca and Birdie I think are very likable uh mm -hmm. characters even though they are very like messy and at times like like you described a hot mess mm -hmm. whereas I feel like the Fleabag character isn't as straight up likable especially when you first mm -hmm. meet her like she's a little prickly she's a little bit standoffish she's interesting like a Tony Soprano or a Don Draper mm -hmm. or like a Walter mm -hmm. totally. White like in later seasons in like a classic anti-hero way. Mm -hmm. But she's interesting. You know, you're like very interested in what she has to say. So even going that step further than with Tuca and Birdie, Tuca and Birdie, are, I think, are still likable characters just because of how, I hate using this word, but how relatable yeah, they are. They are. You know? It's true. But Fleabag isn't necessarily relatable as far as like, what exactly is like directly occurring potentially in her life potentially, but she's still interesting. I feel like you're still like very like interested in what's happening in her life. Mm -hmm. You're still like, damn, this is a person who like, maybe I can see making the wrong decision or the decision that I wouldn't make, mm -hmm. but I still want her. I still root for her. Exactly. Even if she's not like inherently like sweet or inherently like, a good person quote yes. unquote. you know what i mean yes. and that's like sort of the, the magic i think yes of the show. and it was it's so it was so exciting for me to see this because like you said you root for her you fucking root yeah. for her she is innately flawed in so many ways and 
you know, and sometimes just a fucking bitch. But that is that is a fully fleshed human fucking woman. You know, it's like I am tired of people expecting me to be Snow White. You know, like I just think that's like it's just it's fucking bullshit. And like I think that it's almost like spoon fed to us at a young age. I mean, everyone in general, women especially, it's like, well, you have to be nice, you know. And I I feel like like. I mean, there's been many reasons where I've been afraid to speak up before. Um, sure. But, you know, like that's been one of the bigger ones. It's like, oh, well, I want to be nice. And it's like, yes, like, don't be a dick to people. Like, we're all on this random fucking rock, like, like, yeah. like slowly just kind of like hurling ourselves in black matter. No one knows the fuck that is. We're all these squirmy, insecure little living beings. No one actually knows why we're here. We can all like give it our best guess and hope. But like, right. like, why are you know? It's it's a very insecure. It's the least we can do is be kind to one another. Sorry, I'm so rambly and tangential. Thank you for putting up everybody. But the point that I'm getting is like, you don't have to be fucking nice all the time. Because sometimes no. life fucking blows, and it's okay if you blow up. And that's what yeah. I love about Fleabag is that Phoebe. You know, it's like, yeah, she's not she's not inherently good, but she's still a human being who is trying her best. Yeah. to just I think just trying her best is a great way to say it and I love the moment at the end of this episode where I feel like there's so much forgiveness that's being exchanged Absolutely. between Phoebe and this this I don't even know his, his name or if he has a character name but the bank guy yeah um you know like Phoebe's forgiving the bank guy the bank guy's forgiving Phoebe the bank guy's forgiving himself and then Phoebe starts to learn how to forgive herself and that is so powerful for me because I can't, I mean, I still struggle with this. I can't tell you how many times a day I like, I experience one minor mistake and yeah, everybody hates it when they fuck up. You know, no one's like, I made a mistake. Yay. But yeah, exactly. I just, for me, um, it feels like the walls are closing in on me because I feel totally. like just because I made one minor mistake, like I am somehow like not worthy of, you know, like human kindness yeah yeah Yeah. i really i really feel that way and so it's so great to like see this moment where it's like phoebe fucked up bad like she seriously fucked up when she did was not great but you know what we all do bad things and and to like bring up my favorite quote in all of feedback feedback flea bag um which is you know like that's why they put rubbers on the ends of pencils because people make mistakes Absolutely. And that's so powerful to me because, I mean, I really do feel like people in general have a hard time realizing that, but women specifically. I got a couple cool facts about Fleabag. Uh, Can I hit you with those? I would love to hear cool facts, Noah. Okay, let's do some cool facts, Maddie. Uh, Fleabag is a British black comedy television series created and written by, you guessed it, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm-hmm. Based on her one-woman show performed in 2013, the show is adapted from her 2013 Edinburgh Fringe Festival one-woman play of the same name, which won the Fringe First Award, which is the top prize, I believe, you can win at the Edinburgh Film Fe- or uh, Festival Fringe. The initial idea of the character of Fleabag came from a challenge by her friend where Waller-Bridge was given the task of creating a sketch for a 10-minute section in a stand-up storytelling night and the protagonist pre- pre- uh, pre- uh, the protagonist frequently breaks the fourth wall to provide exposition, internal monologues, running commentary, so on and so forth. Everyone who's listening to this knows because they've seen Fleabag. Uh, Waller-Bridge's sister, Isabel Waller-Bridge, composed the music for the series. Did you know that? I did not know that. 
Kind of cool. That's really sisters cool. Sisters coming together. Yeah. yeah I love that for women them. supporting women. Yeah. Women supporting women. Sisters supporting women. We yeah. Love that. Yay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Phoebe Waller-Bridge also was the showrunner, head writer, and EP for the first series of Killing Eve, Mm -hmm. which I learned, and I did not realize that. I was like, oh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge came out of nowhere to do Fleabag, but guess what, honey? She was doing (laughs) Killing Eve, too. Uh, And she's also worked on the what would have come out last year, but due to COVID, the new James Bond she Mm -hmm. wrote with Carrie Fukunaga, which is crazy. This woman is- Unstoppable. She's we fu- have to. She's a freight train. <laughs> we have to stop her. <laughs> we have to stop. Somebody stop Phoebe Waller Bridge. You know what I mean? No, don't stop her. Okay, actually, don't stop her. <laughs> uh, and I literally like could not believe this when I read this. I thought this was a joke, but this is true. She directed the music video for Savior Complex by Phoebe Bridgers. Wait, no fucking way. I didn't know that. Yeah, and like that music video, I think came out like late last year, I think, and she directed for Phoebe Bridgers because it's like, of course, the woman of who's course. closest in the world to the name Phoebe Bridgers, yep. Phoebe Waller Bridge, is going to direct the music video for Savior Complex. Of course. So, the more you know, but I, that had to have been a PR stunt. Like, there's no way that like that just occurred naturally. You know what I mean? <laughs> like some asshole was like, "Hey, oh, uh, you're Phoebe Waller Bridge, and she's Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> so what if we put them together?" <laughs> Yeah, and then I fell asleep listening to that sentence because it was in a, it was in a British accent. <laughs> um, that's all I got on Fleabag. I think most people know what the fuck that show is. I didn't, didn't put a lot of fast facts. Can we please move on to the third and final thing of the episode, which is not... One of these things is not like the other, Maddie. Would you agree? I would have to agree wholeheartedly, Noah. Well, what is that third thing that we're talking about today? The third thing would be my tie-dye Crocs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Why tie-dye Crocs? First of all, why pick them for this show? Mm -hmm. And then just why tie-dye Crocs in general? Um, Well, to be perfectly transparent, Noah, um, I was still mulling around in my little wrinkly brain. um, like Because I knew that like I wanted to talk about Took and Birdie and Fleabag, um, and we had my kind of rambly analysis on both of those, but like I wanted, you know, it's like I knew it was just kind of like missing something, like something a little more tactile. And you texted me and you said, All right, Missy, like it's time or something like that, because I dragged my feet. And then so I was like, ah, and I just and I and I texted you Took and Birdie and Fleabag, and then I kind of took the first thing, but like as soon as I took the first thing, it just like it kind of clicked and made sense to me. Um and I think, where do I even start with this? Um, I, I just feel like my my whole life, because uh, like I was always a very boisterous, loud child. Okay. Um, I, I don't believe you. I stand uh-huh. by boisterous. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can you believe it? Oh. Um, and. And I was also incredibly ADHD. Can you believe it? Oh, man. Okay, that one I can believe for Big some shock. reason. I can't believe the other one, but I can actually <laughs> believe that one. So weird. Um, I know. Oh, so weird. And, um, you know, so it's like those were obviously like factors there. But, like, you know, it's like I was not the only kid kind of with that disposition. You know, like ADHD is sure. not an uncommon thing. But, you know, it's like I just happened to kind of be like all over the place. Like I was a good student. I was bright. I was intelligent. Um you know, but I was just always very loud and like 
not that disruptive, but like a little bit, but I just, I just a little, just a little, but I, you know, it's like, even as a kid, I was very aware of the fact that like all the boys in the class were being like far more disruptive than I was. But, and yet like, I was always the one that was like being sent out in the hall. Like, I feel like in first grade, like I spent more time like in the hallway than I did like in the fucking classroom. I did spend a lot of time like, and I spent a lot of time thinking about it. Like, well, you know, like maybe I just kind of felt like attacked because I was six and being told to like sit in a dark hallway alone all the time. But, but you know, like I thought back to it and like I was not nearly as disruptive as like the fucking like, you know, like, like clown guys in the class. You know, like I think like the worst thing I did in like the first grade was just like loudly kind of like randomly be like, Yes, dude. Yes, a classic. A classic. And, you know, and I brought the house down, you know, like, yeah, not going to lie. I'm not going to lie about that. But it just, it was so confusing to me that I was always sent out in the hallway. And you may be wondering, what does this have anything to do with your wardrobe, Maddie? Like, sure. And it's just because it's like, I feel like that's kind of just a good, I guess, uh, preface to how I felt a lot of my life, which is like, I just... You know, like I have a loud voice and a fucking carry. So when we're in a classroom setting, like, yes, please tell me to shut up. But sure. I just always feel like, you know, like I've been asked to be muted in some way. Or, you know, this is a quote from fucking Meghan Markle. I'm not saying I had nearly like the oppression that Meghan Markle has ever experienced. But, you know, she was like, I was asked to be 50%. And, you know, it's like, I feel like that's very real. And it was really hard to kind of, you know, like, I felt like I constantly kind of had to like, like consciously like tone down my volume system but in a way where it was like really hard just because it didn't feel genuine to me but it's like I felt like I had to kind of fit this specific expectation that people had for me um which I did you know like I have obnoxiously large eyes you know like I'm it's so it's like I think people like just expect me to kind of fit that like snow white like innocent maiden like archetype which is fucking bullshit and Anyway, so this is a, everyone's like, get to it, Maddie. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Scre- screaming in their car on the freeway. Can you get to the fucking point, please, I Maddie? I this whole podcast to hear what the third thing was, and now here we are, and you won't even fucking say it. That's um, it, dude. That's it's it. It's true. I hear you. I, I, I'm sorry, whoever's in the car. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, but anyway, so we're getting to the point, and I just, it was, I, I always was very scared to make new friends because I always was worried that we would get to that point where, sure. you know, it's like I would become embarrassing to them somehow, or like I would be asked to like not be who I was. Um, just because, you know, it's like, I think um, ideas like that are perpetuated not just by men, but by women in general. Cause if you're fed information, like this is the right thing to do, then it's like you naturally want to do that. I mean, like I get it. Like in the fifth grade, people told me that like all drugs were inherently bad. so. I wrote the best dare speech and I preached to all of my fellow students like don't do marijuana kids and then meanwhile you know like whatever like fucking like 15 years later here I am discovering my favorite show with a couple of puffs of the Swede so okay it's all coming together it's all coming together but um anyway so these Crocs I wear like very colorful clothing uh and beats of Chapman University (laughs) and SNL once told me that I dressed like a toddler in a pornography um (laughs) but i I, it's like i love wearing bright colors so i feel like that kind of is an expression of who i am and so my my 22nd birthday i was just feeling like pretty lost and like i didn't know who i was and i just felt like i had all these expectations on me i didn't know what 
to like really make of them. And I was living with my friend Casey Johnson at the time, who I'm still living with now. And shout out out to Casey Johnson. And she gave me these tie-dye Crocs for my birthday. And in receiving this gift, like I have never felt like more seen for who I am. Like not only like that, you know, like who I truly am inside, but I feel like I've either I've been trying to like box it or other people have been trying to box it. You know, like I finally felt like it came out and it was seen, but not just seen, but like loved and appreciated. And it was so whenever I wear my Crocs, it's kind of, it's like, um, it's kind of like, it feels like a comfort to me. It feels like I can, like I am who I am, but it also kind of feels like a massive, like, fuck you to all of the people who still kind of like have this expectation for women that is not realistic. Okay. That really did come together Mm -hmm. in a way that I wasn't expecting it to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Damn. Well, for the sake of time, I'm not going to give you all these fast facts about Crocs, but I do need to ask I do want to hear them. I would love to hear them. <laughs> I am curious before I get to the fast facts, what is it that people get wrong about Crocs, and why do you think that they're so memed and so shit upon <laughs> in, the pub- in the public zeitgeist? Like, what, what do people not understand that you understand about Crocs? Listen, what I love about Crocs is honestly that it's like, they don't even look like a shoe. They look like a weird animal that you're putting on your feet. And sure. Uh, and again, kind of tying it back to how I was like, I don't really, it's like, you know, like fashion, like I know how I like to dress and like what clothes I'm drawn to, but it's like, I've never really like understood like keeping up with the trends. It's like, I kind of like, I like to wear what works for me and what makes me happy. And I think that Crocs are like just I think that Crocs are hilarious. That's one of the reasons that I like wearing them. You know, I love knowing that they're on my feet, but on top of that, like they're very well ventilated. Um, I'm wearing them right now, actually. Uh, No one at home can see this, but I have them on my feet. And, um, And it's like, they're comfortable, they're ventilated, but it's also just like, it's just fucking funny. And I loved wearing them for that reason. And I never like, I never purchased them. It was actually, Funny story, um, when I first got my Crocs, obviously I was super stoked, I wore them everywhere. And yep. I posted this picture on Instagram and it got like, just because it's like, you know, like I, it was like this picture where like, you know, like my butt looked great, not gonna lie, but like. Okay, let's go. But I was wearing <laughs> the Crocs in this kind of like, you know, like yeah, sexy Instagram picture. And so it got like, sure. and so it got a lot of likes just because of like the absurdity of it. And then like, one of my friends sure. jokingly was like, at Crocs, sponsor her. And then Crocs sure. responded to me and was like, hey, we'd love for you to rep us. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna <laughs> represent Crocs. This is amazing. But in that moment, for whatever reason, it was the summer of 20, 2019, summer 2019. That's when Crocs, for whatever reason, like blew the fuck up and somehow became yeah. trendy. Like yeah. I, I never expected that to happen. Like, and it was, just, and so I like to think that I made it happen because I bought them and then everyone else wanted them. But, um, but yeah, no fucking like Justin Bieber's repping them. So I, yeah. I came this close to being a Crocs representative and I missed it because of fucking Natalie Dormer or whatever her name is from Game of Thrones and Justin Damn. Bieber. I know, I know. So slightly I, I, bitter. I, but. I, I legitimately was like thinking like, yeah, Crocs are trendy now. Like Crocs are like, and they people are. love those things but i remember when they first came out like when we were kids they were like who would wear that piece of shit shoe like that thing is like the grossest like nastiest like thing i've ever seen like dawn a person's foot 
And within the last like two years, like you said, they have blown the fuck up, and now they are a little bit of a must-have, I would say, for anyone who's trying to stunt on them. I would say as, so as well. I would say so would say. as well. And, you know, part of the reason I love wearing them is because they're not cute. They look fucking, like, terrible on your feet, but it's yeah. like, but I feel like it's the statement of that that I love doing. It's like, I'm wearing these because they make me happy and because they're comfortable as hell, and, like, I don't care if, like, you like the way my feet look, you know? Also, if you care a lot about how my feet look, you know, there's a, there's a category on Pornhub for that, so you can get that somewhere else, you know? Yikes. Okay, not gonna touch that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally not going to touch that one. Uh, <laughs> literally not going to touch that one. Uh, let's see. What do I got here? I'm trying to only pick out the best fast facts. People need to know the fucking Crocs Inc. is founded in the fucking crack of my ass. People do not need to know that about Crocs. I would not they be surprised if they were birthed from someone's asshole. They just like came out one day and people were like, wow. People are like, holy crap. They said, holy, holy crap. Holy crap. <laughs> then it kind of transformed into croc, and that's how they got their name. Wow. That is fucking me up big time that you said that. Just now. <laughs> that's my cool fact. That's your, yeah, that's a cool fact. Um, okay. Let's see. Crocs are made in a variety of styles and colors is what I have written down. The classic styles are available in more than 20 colors. Most other styles are produced in a palette of four to six colors or two color combos. Thus, there are different styles for each season. That is an insane thing to say about Crocs. Uh, they also sell other fashion accessories. Gibbets are decorations that oh, can yes. be clipped to the ventilation holes. Do you have any experience with gibbets? Do you have any gibbets on your Crocs? I do. I actually, well, because one of the reasons, like, I um, was so happy to get Crocs again was because I wore them all the time as a kid, you know? And, like, as a kid, mm. I was even worried that, like, they were, like, deeply hated. But I was like, these are fucking great. I have a breeze on my feet. I don't care. And I had so many of them. I actually called them charms. But um, I had a watermelon. <laughs> I had, I had like, a fruit salad theme going on. Every Cute. fruit gibbet known to man. Um, but I'll let you get on with it because I know you have more cool facts. I've already wasted enough of people's time. <laughs> You've, you're literally not wasting time. I'm fucking looking at Crocs cool <laughs> facts that I've written down on the notes app of my fucking computer. So I think I'm wasting my own time. Listen, if, they, if this concerned. is not how people want to like spend their time, then they need to reevaluate their priorities. So people people got themselves fucked up if they're mm -hmm. not thinking about Crocs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Crocs announced in 2006 that it filed complaints with the United States International Trade Commission and the United States District Court against the. 11 companies that manufacture import or distribute products called croc offs i'm not making this up <laughs> croc believes that these infringe on their patents seizures of fake crocs occurred in 2007 in the philippines denmark and were under litigation in south africa and in 2012 excuse me in 2010 the u.s court of appeals federal circuit held that crocs design patent had been infringed so big win for the crocs company on that one they won their lawsuit yeah, crocs. go fuck yourself yes dude the croc offs can go fuck themselves as far as i'm concerned yeah so we love that uh, in 2007, then President George W. Bush wore oh, no. black <laughs> wore black Crocs and socks publicly. Oh my god! That is on the Wikipedia page about oh Crocs, if you can believe That's it. That's so fucking funny. Uh, First Lady Michelle Obama was spotted wearing Crocs with her daughters in 2009. Yes, Michelle. Let's go, Michelle. We love that. We stand that. Um, June 14th, 2015, a 23-month-old Prince George, son of William and Kate Middleton, was photographed wearing navy blue Crocs. 
and in one week, it had created a 1,500% increase of Crocs on Amazon.com as far as the sales were concerned. So Prince George, a little bit of an influencer, whether he knows it or not, but I guess... They left the royal family, didn't they? Didn't they just leave the royal family? So he's not Prince yeah. George anymore, right? Um, I'm actually not sure what his official title is, if I'm being honest. There's like so many intricacies. I mean, I love royalty. Don't get me wrong. I've binged the crown so many times. But yeah, I don't know what, what he's called now. Just George. Uh, just George. Just George. <laughs> just George. That's the, when you're not a prince anymore, you're just. You're like just your title George. is just. And every time you enter a room, people just have to randomly shout, just George has arrived. <laughs> just George, my liege. Um, <laughs> Crocs were ranked number six in the worst list of Maxim's 10 best and worst things to happen to men in 2007. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so not even are they not like considered good. They specifically said to men. So the women didn't even get lumped into that category as far as bad things that can happen to them. So that's just another reason why you have to flaunt those Crocs because apparently back in 2007, Maxim thought they were just uh, for men. But guess what, sweetie? They're for men and women. They're for everyone. Yeah. I'm yeah. wearing these for feminism. Yep, that's right. That's why you're doing it. Um, and then final fa- final fact, <laughs> this one's going to blow your fucking top. A blog named IHateCrocs.com was founded by two Canadian college students, while the website CrocFans.com used, documents uses of the shoe. The Facebook group, I Don't Care How Comfortable Crocs Are, You Look Like a Dumbass, has been mentioned in the media. So... That's what I got for you as far as Croc facts are concerned. So uh, I don't have anything else to say about Crocs, but I do have two more questions for you if you would be so kind. I I would love to be so kind. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, As you said at the beginning, March is Women's History Month. What do you hope that people take away from Women's History Month this year and going forward? Honestly, just that, I mean, women... And, and so like, and cause again, it's like, I'm always hesitant to like use women as a blanket term because I mean, there's so many like different identities within the identity of woman. Sure. Um, but you know, it's like in so many different ways, so many different, uh, so many different types of women and, uh, oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm rambling again. I'm rambling. question, And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Um, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, to summarize, I guess that women have gone through so much shit so that sure. someday soon, and I feel like we're, you know, it's like things I feel very confident for, you know, my daughters that eventually like women don't have to give as much of a shit. Um, sure. I, I really look forward to the day where it's like, I am allowed to just fucking be mediocre, you know? And like, and that being said, it's like, I know that I'm capable of exceptional things. And that I know that I'm powerful and that, you know, like women surrounding me are also innately and incredibly powerful. But I would love to be able to proudly say, like, I am terrible at dancing and that's okay. And like, I'm not any less of a woman or desirable because I'm not perfect at everything. Very nice. Very, very nice. And then my final question for you got a couple different. I'll call it one A and one B here. Okay. But you personally, what do you hope to see? going forward as female empowerment marches on both Mm -hmm. on a personal level and then on a national or international level about female empowerment. What do you hope to see going forward? Um, I hope to see that in every 
educational system, you know, regardless of like what religious beliefs are tied to it, that every woman is taught consent, but that every man is taught consent as well. So that it's no longer, uh, because here's the thing, it's like, I believe that educating women is the way to make the world a better place, but at the same time, you know, to like make women's lives like not as fucking shitty and kind of like achieving what we need to achieve like like you just have to like educate young men and say like hey sure. don't do this you know like right. it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that hard and like it's like i just you know it's like i still have this feeling and like i'm even a little hesitant to say this i know so many people don't you know they don't have the like the same insight that i do and like they don't <sighs> But I just, I don't even necessarily, the person who assaulted me, like, I don't even necessarily blame him. It's like, I blame, like, our failure as an education system. And like you said, there are, like, there are genuinely terrible people out there who just are innately bad, and that sucks. And that's going to happen, and people like that will try to hurt you. But I also think it's preventable. And so I hope to see that someday soon, you know, like, women and men are kind of held to the same standards. You know, sure. it's like that, like women don't have to kind of be condescended to or almost like pitied to get like a step in the same ring as men, where it's like it's a matter of like who is better for this job. You know, it's like like gender isn't even like taken in consideration. So at the end of the day, like gender is such a weird concept. Anyway, that sure. being said, you know, it's like more women do have to enter every workforce. And sure. specifically, I guess it's kind of like falls under A and B, because I think it, like, it'd be good for myself, but also great for the world as a whole, is that there needs to be more women in writers' rooms, writing specific Absolutely. experiences for women, you know, not even like trying to like get preachy and like educate, you know, the greater good about like the plight of the woman, but just to like show like what like little moments in a woman's life is and what's okay and what happens and how to forgive yourself as a woman. Um, and I, it's just so exciting to me when I see shows that have like a large, uh, percentage of women writers on, in the room and on the board, like they're able to achieve that. Um, yeah. Maddie, I want to thank you, uh, not only for just coming on the pod, but I want to thank you for your insights today, uh, on the topic at hand. And I want to thank you for your vulnerability with us, uh, sharing some stuff that I can't imagine was easy to share and so i want to thank you uh for not only doing that so willingly but so gracefully and so i want to thank you for doing all that i want to thank you for coming on the show uh and sharing all that with us this has been a great experience for me i hope that you've had a great time on the show as well i have and thank you so much for having me noah and providing me a space to share my experience it means a lot absolutely uh now the reason you came on the show do you have anything you want to plug <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, honestly, like, I have a couple things. Like, I don't even know this isn't necessarily a plug, but just, like, I feel like next time, like, you're, like, unaware. Like, this is just, just, just for everybody in general. It's, like, you're sure. unaware, like, how, like, you know, like, uh, how to talk to a woman or, like, how to, like, include women in a situation. You get kind of, like, anxiety about that because I understand. Like, I totally get that. But, like, just remember that, like, I take just 
as gnarly as shits as like any man there we go you know and so i feel like once we all recognize that i mean hopefully it'll make it easier just to fucking like bring women into the workplace you know sure um so that's the first one the second plug is to you know like support more female created series well any like you know media you like to consume i my personal favorite is television so i guess like Two other shows I have to plug that I just fell in love with uh, the past couple of years is Never Have I Ever by Mendy Kaling, created by Mendy Kaling, I mean, and then also Insecure, created by Issa Rae. They're both fantastic. Sure. Watch those as well. And thirdly, um, I guess if there are any, not just women, but people in general that want to create something really sick, DM me. Um, uh, give me a text. Uh, I'm not sure I'm comfortable sharing my phone number <laughs> over a podcast, especially when it's popular because no Marger fucking slays. Um, but Damn. you know, Instagram handle at Maddie M A double D I E underscore Ogden O G D E N. Feel free to send me a message. Um, and yeah, just keep putting more women in the writer's room. Maddie's uh, Instagram will be available in the show description if you want to follow her. And as she said, hit her up in the D. What did you say? Did you say get into my DMs? What did you? How did you phrase it? Uh, and I don't entirely remember, but I'm gonna end with slide into my DMs. So I'm gonna <laughs> confidently wanna... phrase that. Yeah, if you want to slide into Maddie's DMs, the link will be to that in the description. Specifically, slide. Yeah, if you unless you're trying to get in there any other way, Buster Brown, see ya. Get out of town. <laughs> That's what I will say. Just slide if you just can. What is that? Isn't there a Google Doodle song? It's like, why don't you just slide? Isn't that a song? I actually cannot confirm nor deny. I apologize, Noah. All right. It's a song. It's, no, it's fine. It's, it's a, a song. song. I believe you. I believe you, Noah. Like, you know what? Send me, send me that song. I'd love to listen to it. Everyone DMing me. Please do that. You'd be fucking lucky if I send you this song after the way you've behaved. I would be, I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled, Noah. <laughs> you would be fucking lucky if I decided to send you that song. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing uh, with you. <laughs> Uh, you can look in the show description. I'm going to start putting everything in link trees. Uh, so there's a link tree to this show. Uh, it has the social medias and everything else that I'm about to say included in there. I've got a personal link tree that's going to be in there. If you have any interest in continuing to look at what I'm doing as well, it's got my personal Instagram and Twitter. It's got movies I've made. It's got uh, the other podcast that I host, which is called It's on the List with Noah and Mason. This week, we're going to be talking about the album Black Terry Cat by Xenia Rubinos and the movie Columbus from 2017. So you can get that wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, don't forget about your local government, which is the comedy that I do with Fed Busiglio. You can watch us on Instagram at YLG.world and YouTube, your local government comedy. Again, everything will be in the link trees in the show description. Maddie Ogden, once again, thank you for being here. Will you say goodbye to the folks with me? Uh, goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And thank Noah for creating such a sick platform for people to share their thoughts and ideas. And bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> and bye-bye. <laughs>